People play video games for four specific reasons or needs, and understanding these reasons is the key to quitting gaming successfully. These needs are competition, social connection, constant growth, and lastly, the one we're going to be talking about today, and my personal reason, escape. Now, escape is a perfectly normal thing for human beings to do. We need escape in order to relax, de-stress, and escape the rigors of daily life. However, there's such a thing as too much escape. If you're escaping into video games to relax for a couple of hours after work, that's fine. If you're escaping into video games for eight hours because you hate your life and can only feel some semblance of control inside the virtual world, then it's become a problem. And this is exactly what happened to me. I gained a lot in school, but it was never really a problem because I had people holding me accountable to studying and deadlines, mainly my parents. However, when I went to university, I was on my own. No one was there to breathe down my neck if I was being lazy. No one told me off if I went to bed at 3am. My first thought was, heck yeah, this is amazing, but that's when the gaming took hold. Now, I never struggled in school. I was a smart kid and could get by pretty easily with a minimal amount of work, but university was completely different. I was studying physics and I was not prepared for the workload I had to cope with. My deadlines piled up and I couldn't bear to face the problems that were mounting up into what seemed like an impossible task to overcome. What did I do? I played video games. In the games, I was in control. I had meaning, power, choice, and most importantly, I couldn't fail. A life of not knowing what failure was resulted in me being completely inept at dealing with it, so gaming became my crutch. During my entire first year of university, I didn't complete a single assignment before 2am, eight hours before their due date. Seriously, I'd play games all evening, telling myself I could do it later. And then later comes and suddenly it was two o'clock and then I'd spend the rest of the night, or rather morning, doing a subpar piece of work in as little time as I could and passing out at five or six a.m. to get some sleep. It was hell. But why am I telling you this? Well, I want to paint a picture for you as to what exactly unhealthy escape can look like. Maybe you see some of the things I talked about manifesting in your own life. Maybe you're in college or just starting out and have some of the same habits. Regardless, it's important that you understand the difference so that if or when it happens in your own life, you're more prepared to deal with it. And how exactly do you deal with it? There are three parts to it. Awareness, understanding and confrontation. And I'll be discussing each one in more detail as we go through the episode. Firstly, I've touched on it already, but becoming aware of what's going on is a crucial first step in solving any problem. They always say the first step to solving a problem is to admit that you have one, but it goes deeper than that. I'm not just talking about being aware of the problem, but also being aware of your feelings, your needs, the present, and even your triggers. And it sounds complicated, but I can assure you it's actually pretty simple. However, that doesn't mean it's easy. Building awareness takes time and effort, But if you work on it, then it can help you overcome everything from escapism and cravings to anxiety and stress. The best things I've found to build personal awareness are to start a daily journal and take up meditation. Now, I've been a part of the Game Critics community for over five years, and I've noticed something interesting on our forums. The people that commit to writing a daily journal, even just for their 90-day detox, are so much more successful in trying to quit than those who don't. I even did an entire podcast about journaling. That's how powerful it is. 
It's episode 36 of the podcast if you're interested. Having a dedicated period every day where you process your emotions, almost talking yourself through each scenario, can genuinely be life-changing. How many times have you had a problem, and after talking through with a friend, you can suddenly see the way forward and have a newfound sense of clarity? Now, imagine that, but every single day, you get to talk to someone that understands you better than your friends ever could, and the benefits you get from this, especially if you're really struggling with some overwhelming emotions, are so incredibly powerful that I wish I could get everyone to journal. I can't, but if I was a mind-controlling supervillain, that would probably be my first action after taking over the world. The second thing would obviously be getting people to meditate. This is similar to journaling, in the same way that learning to cook and eating healthy are to each other. You don't need to learn how to cook to eat healthy, but it helps. And if you practice meditation, you're only improving upon your ability to self-reflect and process your emotional states. When you meditate regularly, it becomes easier for you to focus and avoid distractions. It becomes easier to distinguish between healthy and unhealthy emotions and build on that awareness that's so crucial in coming up with a solution. Also, it's incredibly simple. All you need to do is sit down for 10 minutes a day, set a timer, close your eyes and just think about nothing. Thoughts will come and go. The important thing is just to let it happen. Observe these thoughts and allow them to pass. It'll be difficult to begin with. You'll constantly be distracted, but over time your mind will become clearer. I like to think of it as though I'm sitting on a beach. My breaths are the waves, gently coming in and out, and my thoughts are clouds drifting overhead. Sometimes there's a lot of them, sometimes only a few, but all I'm doing is sitting there, breathing and watching them pass by. Sometimes the clouds will be dark and grey, and the sky will look like it's about to burst, but that's okay. It will pass, and soon the skies will be clear. Even just talking about it makes me feel relaxed. Meditation and journaling change my life, genuinely, and they can change yours too. The second thing we need to talk about, after awareness, is understanding. I touched on needs at the very start when I mentioned why people play video games, but that's a little general. What you need to do is identify exactly why you are escaping into video games. What are you seeking most before you get lost into games? Are you running away from your work or deadlines? Not happy with your social life or your relationships? Are you so dissatisfied with who you are that you feel there's no other choice but to escape into another life? Whatever it is, understanding why is a crucial step in overcoming escapism. And the reason why I've put this second on the list instead of first despite it being quite a small part, is because building up your personal awareness will help you come to this realisation. For a lot of people, it won't come straight away. It took me years before I found out exactly why I was escaping. Years of failure, relapsing, self-reflection, and importantly, awareness, before I was able to dig out the root of the problem and take an active approach in solving it. Now, the next thing we have to deal with is confrontation. What exactly are we confronting? Your fears. And it sounds more ominous than it is. However, this is probably going to be the most difficult part of the process. It's also going to give you the biggest opportunity for personal growth. Being able to look your fears in the face and instead of avoiding them and falling back into gaming, you look them straight in the face and conquer them. Now, it's easier said than done. You can't expect to just overcome the craving to play video games every time something difficult comes up. One option you have is to wait for those bursts of motivation you get every so often you probably know what I mean already. 
you've just seen an inspiring video or read something that's filling you with confidence and you vow before you go to bed that you're never going to play video games again. This is it. The problem with this is that this motivation relies on a small reserve of willpower, which is a finite resource. There's a great quote that I love. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. If you haven't built up the discipline and habits in the first place, using this motivation probably isn't going to last over a long period of time. I made that mistake for a long time. I would go through peaks of motivation, clarity, and productivity for a few months, followed by a period of depression, gaming, and poor habits. And how did I get through this? Well, you can't build a skyscraper without a solid base, and it all starts with the foundations. You're going to make small, incremental changes and focus on how you want to feel. It's more a shift in mindset than anything. When we have those bursts of motivation, we hold ourselves under a huge amount of pressure to wake up at a certain time, do 10 minutes of X, Y, and Z before we meditate for one hour, or gratitude journaling, and then do four hours of work, eat lunch for 30 minutes, and spend one hour a day learning the guitar and Spanish. You get the idea. This is unsustainable. Even the strongest will people would find it difficult let alone someone that's struggling with an addiction. A gaming addiction is nothing small. No matter how much we might convince ourselves it is, you've got so many things to deal with. Withdrawal symptoms, cravings, urges. And when you add in a dozen more things, you're destined to fail before you start. And that's why it's so important to start small and treat this like a marathon, not a sprint. The temptation is to have a big list of things you want to get done every day, but we're going to do the opposite. Before you go to sleep, you're going to write down one thing that you want to get done the next day. One thing, that's it. Then when you wake up, you're going to complete that one task in the morning. It could be doing a couple of hours of studying, cleaning the house, drafting your book, sending some important emails, whatever it is, get that done and you've already won the day. It's not even noon. Now imagine what happens when you get one big task done every single day. Imagine what that's going to do to not only shape your success in this journey, but also what it's going to do to your mindset. All of a sudden you've shifted your thinking from, I've got so many problems and I can't do anything and I'm a failure, to I'm a person that gets shit done every day, I conquer my fears and I overcome my hurdles every day. The primary effect of this is that you get things done, sure, but the secondary effect is almost as important you start realizing you can get more things done and that you can rapidly change your situation in just a few days. It has a knock-on effect in every other aspect of your life, your health, your hobbies, relationships, finances, everything. However, you might be asking, I don't even know what tasks I need to get done each day. The secret here is to focus on feeling, not on goals or numbers, but feeling. How do you want to feel when you wake up? How do you want to feel when you get work done? What kind of feeling do you want your living space to conjure when you walk through the door after a long day of work? Start with the feeling and the rest will follow. Want to feel refreshed when you wake up? You know you should exercise in the morning, which is your big task. And then don't consume caffeine late, go to bed earlier and read a book before you go to sleep. And these are all secondary. If your house or apartment is a mess and you know that you've needed to clean it for a while but you're putting it off, it's easy to default to making your task clean flat. Instead, try focusing on one aspect each day. So tomorrow you're going to get a trash bag and throw everything away. The next day you're going to organize your bedroom 
and make a pile of things to donate or sell. The day after that, you can tackle your living room and so on. If you structure it like this, I guarantee that once you do something as easy as picking up a trash bag and starting, knowing all you have to do is throw a few things away, you'll quickly jump to the next task without even waiting a day. If you're struggling with escapism and trying to avoid negative feelings and situations in your life, just give that a go. Your life could look drastically different in a month or even a week. It all starts with that one small task each day. You never know what will happen. To summarize, there are three key things to focus on here. Awareness, understanding, and confrontation. You need to be aware of your feelings and your needs through daily journaling and meditation. Secondly, you need to understand your personal reasons why you crave escapism. And without this, you won't know what root problems you need to solve. And finally, confrontation. You need to confront any fears you have, confront your procrastination, your anxiety, and your stress, and get those small but important tasks done each day, every day. Over time, if you implement even just one of the things I mentioned today, your life could change drastically. Mine did, and countless others before me on Game Quitters, and I hope yours can too. Thanks for listening, and if you found this useful, I'd really appreciate you leaving us a rating and subscribing. It only takes 30 seconds, and it allows us to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible, so we can offer as much value as we can. And as always, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.